here, Betty. You're going to be in the movies. And the person interviewing me wrote those words down, looked up from his piece of paper and said to me, so do you think we're going to like that? Yeah, I, I do what I do today, Kathy, because of a fourth grade field trip. No credit to me, just me fumbling along with what I knew at the time and the dog being very forgiving of my mistakes. <laughs> there is nothing like being in the middle of a conversation and getting interrupted. It's even worse when that conversation is interrupted in front of an audience. And that's exactly what happened when Jeffrey Hazlett and I sat down to have what was undoubtedly going to be an epic romp through all kinds of great topics. His internet went dead. Not once. Twice. <laughs> and the second time it was gone for good. And here's what that has to do with today's episode. It's more of a monologue than a dialogue. Because after Jeffrey's line dropped dead the second time, I had nearly 30 minutes to kill before the next guests arrived. I guess it's a good thing I can talk. <laughs> While he wasn't present, Jeffrey and his deep commitment to engagement, truth, and relationship very much were. And here's the good news. Not only do you get an insightful rant of sorts from me today, you're also going to get to hear Jeffrey and me have that conversation as soon as we can get it rescheduled. I'm Kathy Brooks, and this is Talk Unleashed. A number of years ago, this would have been back in uh, 2010 or so. Uh, no, actually, it was. I think it was much earlier than that. It was around 2006, actually. I was at a conference, and... Um, uh, top exec at Kodak was about to go up on stage. And so there's a couple of other speakers and I'm sitting and I'm sitting and behind me, I hear this kind of quiet running commentary um, about, about the comments and the topics and really insightful comments. And I kind of turn my head slightly to the right. And out of the corner of my eye, I see the most epic and fantastic pair of cowboy boots. So I immediately whip around and I look and they are attached to the feet of the gentleman who gets to join me next here at the Unleashed Leadership Summit, Jeffrey Hazlett, uh, a, a cowboy from, well, South, you're not from South Dakota, but it's where you call home, former CMO of Kodak, the top dog, as it were, at the C-Suite Network. You are a, an, a, an author, you are a public speaker, you are a TV presence, you were a... Uh, a judge on the Celebrity Apprentice, um, and you're among the most decent humans that I know. You're a good, good fellow, good, good man, uh, and I'm honored that you're here today. Well, that's nice of you. Well, that's nice of you to say. I appreciate it. You know, I was thinking it was back about 2006. I think we were at the, I remember the conference. It was the All Things Digital Conference uh, hosted by Kara Swisher and Walt Mossberg uh, at uh, Wall Street Journal. We were sponsoring that conference, and I was just be just became the chief marketing officer of the company. And I'm, I remember we showed one of the most iconic videos of all time, and I got my rear end chewed out for that video because I really put took a chance on it, and it was a uh, way cutting edge and everything else. But nonetheless, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, you and I met then, and we be we became instant friends and friends ever since. And we've had so many great debates and so many good conversations. And even when we don't see each other, this is what I love about great people and great chemistry. Even when we don't see each other, when we see each 
until technology freezes the conversation. Look, it's our first glitch of the conference. It had to happen. It's very exciting. Jeff will be back in a second. So in the meantime, I will, um, you know, Jeff has um, been one of these presences in my life that uh, when I was doing a new project in 2010, in the spring of 2010, it was right around the time that Jeff's book, The Mirror Test, was coming out. And um, uh, I think we might have Jeff back. There you go. I am back. That's I okay. I apologize. We're, we're having terrible <laughs> internet connection. I'm in Florida at an office where I'm a vice chairman of a company, and I'm I've stopped in for the week to get some work done with them. And they're they're in the middle of moving, and That's so okay. I apologize. I I, I, I was waxing. That's well okay. With that story I vamped. Too. So I vamped I in the out, middle. Um, we were talking about how well we were talking about how amazing you are. Essentially. Well, it was nice of you, and I I was talking about how much I you know even though we don't see each other all the time, every day, especially during COVID and over the years. I met you back in two thousand six. It's like we we know each other yesterday, and we've had some great conversations. We always have good conversations, good debate, and because we we both come from different places, but yet it's so unique to see how we've ended up at the same place or in some similar things, you know, cause most people would look at me like you gave the introduction. Oh, former fortune 100 officer, this, 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 and, and like a judge on Trump, like every, you know, a lot of people will judge me based on that. Well, you know, you know, but he has also been a friend of mine, but he's batshit crazy. Let's be clear. So, you know, there's little things that, you know, that you would look at a, you know, a guy like me and they would, and, and knowing you, Kathy would say, how could these guys be friends at first glance, which is never judge the book by its cover, which is awesome. You know, and I, um, and I appreciate that, especially as we look at leadership and we look at um, the way the world has fractured today. Oh, it's terrible. Right. I'll just yeah. take a polite, yeah. a polite view of it. Polarized. We polarized. We're polarized. Yeah. And as leaders, it's our responsibility, a true leader, a yeah. master leader, a yeah. transformational leader is someone who rises above those things to look at the entirety as their responsibility. You just gave me the thought that, you know, America became this unbelievable melting pot that's now become these frozen icebergs where we can't get together with one another. We can't have conversations. And, you know, you know, I love having conversations and having, you know, in leadership, whatever. I love healthy tension. That's one of the things I learned at Kodak was to be able to have healthy tension. You can imagine stepping into a role that I stepped into and right away, everybody's, you know, backbiting you, attacking, doing everything because the, the the organization's in decline and you got to turn it around. It's it's not an easy thing to do. And you and and to do it without bringing on a whole new team, which is what you know, I took everybody that. Yeah, he's having some spotty internet, but he's going to, if he goes and comes back, but I know that when, when, when Jeffrey was at Kodak and kind of came in, you know, you had all of these established people at the company and they needed to make some changes. And it was right around the time when digital cameras and moving from film to digital and Kodak, which was of course in the film business, really needing to try to make, make some changes. And so you look at these large companies and so it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. And the, the thing that I love most, uh, one of the many things that I love around Jeff and how he approaches his work, but the one of the things that is, you know, so impactful is, is that you, people make expectations based on what they see. 
you know, that they look at someone and say, Fortune 100 executive, cowboy boot wearing cowboy, South Dakota, judge on Celebrity Apprentice, you know, connected with Donald Trump. I know exactly who he is based on that. And the expectations of who this man is are, they could not be farther from the truth. And while, as Jeffrey mentioned, he and I do often come from opposite directions on an issue, we typically end up in the same place. And one of the things he has done so masterfully in his career is navigate those differences and navigate a way for people to be in those differences and be respectful in those differences, be passionate about where they are and also respect the other, respect that there is someone else whose idea is different and know that the reality of any real given situation lies somewhere in between, right? That the truth of a story is in between. And, uh, you know, many people have heard the parable of the, the blind men and the elephant, which if you haven't heard it, I will share it, which is that you take an elephant and you take five blind men and you place them around the elephant at different places. And one is at the trunk, one is at the ear, one is at the leg, one is at the side, one is at the tail. And you have them each touch the part of the elephant that's right in front of them. And then you ask each of those men or women to describe what is an elephant. They will give you five very different answers. The tail will say, the person by the tail will say, an elephant is like a rope. While the person at the other end of the elephant by the trunk will say, an elephant is like a snake. The one by the the ear will say that an elephant is like the sail of a ship or like curtains or drapes in a house, while the person by the side describes the elephant as a wall and the person by the leg describes the elephant as a tree. And the question is, who's right? And the answer is that they're all correct and that the real truth of the elephant is the aggregate of all of those views in its entirety. And that we live in a world today and it, it really is the motivation for this unleashed leadership, for this, these unleashed conversations, for Talk Unleashed, the weekly show. It's really about how do we relearn how to have conversations with each other and speak to each other rather than at each other and about each other. The, the, the prepositions of conversation are broken the prepositions of conversation are broken. We do more talking in these tiny little radicalized tribal clusters talking about those other people and how wrong those other people are. And how, oh, well, we're people of faith and belief as long as you believe exactly what we believe. And if you don't believe what we believe, well, then you're condemned to hell for the rest of your life. Versus, Curiosity, what we were just talking about, you know, and, and Dylan mentioned in the chat at uh, you know, this great idea, this great idea of how in an evolutionary state, things that aren't used go away. Prehensile tail, anyone? We don't have them anymore. Interesting. You look at dogs and their evolution. Dogs used to have five toes on the ground that they used until their 
use of that. They're walking on their toes and that dew claw that's now up on the side of most dogs' feet, that useless toe that most puppies have removed when they're, when they're small. And so if we don't use our brains and we use things to replace our thinking and to replace our reasoning, to replace our curiosity, what does that mean for us? As a species, we devolve rather than evolve. I have always believed that technology is this remarkable thing. I mean, we are here having this conversation thanks to the internet and technology. That I am getting to look at some of your faces. Spread all across the country, all around the world, that we are connected through the internet, except to the individual who I was supposed to be talking to who was in Florida on in a building there. They're, they're apparently that company he was with is they're moving to another building. And so the internet is wonky, even though he's on a hardline computer. Oh, well, that's okay. We'll have a conversation anyway. But this idea of technology as connective tissue is not necessarily a bad thing. It's really not necessarily a bad thing. There are ways that technology has been the savior of society in the last couple of years as we've been thrown apart and pulled apart and not able to be together. And I recall I was in, I entered the technology industry back in um, about 1991, give or take. And so pre-Netscape, pre-Microsoft Windows, you know, MS-DOS was kind of the ruling operating system. I mean, the computers were 286 you know, computing power. The internet consumer-wise wasn't really a thing. It sounds like it was the Stone Ages. We actually talked on tin cans with strings in between them and walked uphill both ways to school in the snow barefoot. And I used to have to chew my pencil ends off because I didn't have a sharpener. Truth is though, you know, we look at what technology has done in those times and I will never forget, it was around 1998-ish, Consumer internet starting to become a thing. Internet bubble starting to expand, really expand right before it popped. And I was in Las Vegas at some conference or, at, or another at a private party in what I know now to be the executive airport terminal at Las Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas is McCarran Airport. And some big consumer electronics company had rented out the entire airplane hangar and had this top shelf everything sushi, great food spread. And Macy Gray was the opening act and Lenny Kravitz was playing right after. There may be 300 of us in this airplane hangar, private party. So here we are in this airplane hangar and we're waiting for Macy Gray to come on. And, you know, we're standing there and everybody's kind of waiting and then the lights come down and cameras and cell phones were just beginning to be a thing. They were like two megapixel grainy little, tiny little postage stamp size screens. And the lights come down and there was this blue glow in the room. And I looked around and I'm all excited. I'm trying to get my way up to the stage so that I can be right there and watching the whole thing. And I turn and not a single person was looking at the stage. Not a single person was looking at another person. They all had their phones up squinting at these little postage stamps. And I thought, we're fucked. We are categorically, quantifiably screwed 
Because if this is what technology is going to do, I mean, how many stories have we seen of people who go to Horseshoe Falls in Arizona and fall off because they're trying to get that picture and they go beyond the sign that says, don't go past here. Personally, I call that Darwinism. Maybe the cleansing of the gene pool. But the truth is, you know, you have people doing remarkably stupid things for the sake of likes on an Instagram photo. Not even engagement with a photo. Likes on a photo, which are mindless. Mindless clicks. What is it doing to us as a species? I took a trip to Peru back from 2011 to 2012. It was like the Christmas through New Year. I left my phone at home. I did not travel with my cell phone. People who knew what hotels and places I would be staying, so they knew how to reach me. And I actually went and bought a big girl camera because I wanted to take pictures. And I knew if I took pictures with my, cam- with my phone that I would be drawn to going online and trying to post them. I knew it. I knew it. I knew I would then, and then that would take me to Facebook or it would take me here and it would make, and I wanted to really disconnect. For the first two days of the trip, I kept feeling like something was vibrating in my bag. It was like a phantom limb. It was like a phantom limb. And after about two, three days, I didn't miss it anymore. A couple of years ago, I went to the Upaya Zen Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, I thought for my 50th birthday that going on a silent meditation retreat at a Zen center, something I had never done before in my life, was a great idea. Turned out it was one of the best ideas I have ever had bar none. Um, It was hockey playoff season, so I did have my phone with me. And on two nights when there were playoff games, a friend of mine texted me updates from the games. But that was the extent That was the extent of what I did. Um, My entire circadian rhythm shifted. I realized in being on a largely silent retreat for that long, how superfluous most conversation is, how I can be present with other people without saying a word. And that it is that presence, that really sinking down into being with another person, looking into their eyes, letting them look into mine. How often do you avoid eye contact? I do it. I'm having a bad day. I feel a little off. I feel uncomfortable. I'm afraid of something. I don't want somebody looking in my eyes because I don't want them to see. So what do I do? Put on dark glasses, keep my eyes down, make a joke, deflect. We all do it. We all do it. It's not bad. It's, it's neutral, right? It's not bad. It's not good. It just is. It's being aware of it, though. And being attuned to it. You know, that this idea that we somehow aren't enough to be present with another person. It recently occurred to me that while this delightful music has you tapping your toes after each interview, I am missing a golden opportunity to remind you to hit that subscribe button. 
You don't want to miss a word of any of these conversations we're having, so do it. No, no, really. Do it. And another thing. I will be unleashing an amazing deal for conversation coaching services. And with the holiday season coming up, polishing the art of conversation is a pretty great gift for yourself. So toss an email to talkunleashed at gmail.com. We'll get you on the list and you can get yourself on the path to artful conversation, among other things. Mm-hmm.